Hey team, Richard Tubb here with another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, while cybersecurity is at the forefront of every managed service provider's thoughts, I think it's fair to say an often overlooked aspect of cybersecurity is continuity. I like to think of cybersecurity as protection, but continuity as insurance. So in this episode, I thought we'd speak to an expert in continuity to gain their perspective with a view to helping you, our dear listener, understand how you can help your clients with continuity solutions. Therefore, I'm joined today by Daisy Pike, Manager of Solution Consultants, EMEA at PAX8. Now, Daisy has a wealth of experience in the IT industry, including a bachelor's in electrical engineering. She's got experience in pre-sales, sales management, solution selling, and cloud consulting. She is a very smart lady, as you're about to find out. Daisy, welcome to Tub Talk. Brilliant. Thanks for the intro. Hi, Richard. Amazing to be here. Oh, love it. And you were telling me just before we came on air that this is your first ever podcast interview. Yeah, a little bit nervous, a little bit excited, so a bit of both worlds. It's going to be absolutely great. So uh, firstly, I should say, I've heard so many people within the Pax8 team and within the wider MSP community speak so highly of you, Daisy. So (laughs) I'm thrilled to to have you here and talking about what's going on at Pax8 in continuity. Let's jump in, basically talk about your background a little bit here. So I know you've worked not only as a solution consultant, but you were then promoted to the team lead of the solution consultant team. And now you're the manager of the PAXA EMEA solution consultancy team. That's really impressive. Tell us <laughs> what you know what that path looks like and what your current role entails. Yeah, it's been a bit of a crazy ride, to be honest. Um, when I joined PAXA just over two years ago, God, it flies. Um, I didn't have any experience in this part of the IP industry. As I said, I've got a background in electrical engineering, consultancy, but kind of um, in energy industry and nuclear power. So very different, still technical, but very different. And so kind of came in a little bit bushy eyed. Um, But since then, really, really enjoyed it. Um, Started as a solution engineer. So the guys who kind of do the demos and onboarding to the vendors and kind of subject matter experts in a couple of things, including the Pax8 platform, our PSA tools, which is where I've met a lot of our partners, definitely at the beginning of their journey at Pax8. Um, But then since then, kind of as a first solution consultant, uh, which was just over a year ago in EMEA now, and then kind of gone up to team leader manager, as you say. So it's been really interesting to be part of such a fast growing business. I said, like, my team didn't even exist a year ago. Um, but then also within the team itself, it's growing massively. So, kind of a few months ago, there was three people under me and my team. As of next Monday, there's going to be nine. Um, so, fast growing business, fast growing team. But that's such an exciting part of it for me. Um, kind of my role now as a manager is kind of as alluded to we've grown a lot recently so actually shaping some of those new roles and um, what do those workflows look at like internally to actually make it the smoothest kind of um, process as possible for our partners to actually bring as much value as we can because we've got so much expertise we want to share that with our partners and not keep it to ourselves so a lot of it is kind of that process shaping workflow and also training up solution consultants, working with our vendors to ensure that we're on top of all the new changes because I think we've got, God, over 30 vendors now. Yeah. We're getting new vendors every month and all the vendors are evolving themselves. So there's a lot to keep up with. 
Yeah. And you and I were WhatsApp texting yesterday. You had a really busy day uh, with things going on. You were telling me some of the things behind the scenes. What does a typical day look like for you now as the, you know, solutions consultant team leader or manager, I should say? Yeah. Um, so kind of it varies day to day, but um, a lot of it will be kind of syncing up with the team. So have one to ones weekly with everybody in the team just to see how things are going, checking in, any blockers and um, things like that. We'll have once a week, we have a vendor training, which is always really useful and interesting. So they might come into the office um, or we'll do it virtually to kind of learn about either a new vendor or what's going on with them. And a lot of it is kind of working with the account management team and the sales managers over there and our professional services team um, to actually think, okay, are we getting the best out of this function? How's it working? Um, and bring everything together as one, really. Yeah. Now, the, the listeners to the show are predominantly managed service providers from all over the world, some IT solution providers, IT professionals as well. I think a lot of MSPs are perhaps not aware that Pax8 has a solutions consultancy team. I know it's only like a year old, um, but tell us a bit more. How do you help our listeners, MSPs? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's probably something quite unique to Pax8. Definitely what I'm hearing um, from partners. This, this isn't me just blowing our own trumpet. They can't really believe it's free service, to be honest, because the value that we're bringing. Um, one of somebody in my team actually had a brilliant shout out yesterday from, um, it was from one of the cams, but by one of their partners. And basically saying this has probably been the most valuable um, kind of business cons consult they've had, which is a pretty amazing thing. I think he said, yeah, it was probably the best business value add session I've ever sat in, which is amazing. It means that our team's doing something right and I'm doing something right in the training of them. But um, essentially, the solution consulting team is now going to kind of in two parts. So we've got when it was kind of conceived, I suppose, there was only three of us. And we were covering everything, which, as you can imagine, is quite a lot, um, especially if everything's growing all the time. Um, so our brains are kind of at capacity. And then Pax8 being Pax8 are adding more and more, which is brilliant, but not so sustainable. So kind of what we've done is um, split. So we've got security and continuity focused consultants, but they can still talk about anything else. And um, so a lot of that is going to be. And looking at actually building out stacks of partners, especially newer MSPs who maybe haven't kind of got that experience yet. Looking at building out good, better, best models and really tailoring that to their target audience because, you know, what's going to be right for a partner serving dentists or law firms is going to be completely different from those serving the educational system. And um, so actually really tailoring that. So it can go from the ground up, really building out um, that kind of offering, or it can be a lot more kind of security focused. So when I was a solution consultant, I did a lot of work with partners of building out kind of cybersecurity. I called it security as a service offering. So whether it's like a premium one or kind of a bolt-on, really actually, yes, you might be going through cyber essentials. How are we actually going to make that a lasting revenue income um, and source? So really have that continuous monitoring and management, but they use that as a piece to upsell on various vendors. Um, and also looking at kind of more cutting edge, I suppose, versions of uh, security, which is appropriate for some customers, but not for all at the minute. You know, SASE, not just because I love the, the acronym, um, it's my favorite one, SASE SAS, um, but because I love it as a concept, Secure Access Surface Edge, like it's amazing when I learned about that. Um, so a lot of it is kind of that bit more broader building out of offering, but it can be um, targeted, targeted. 
looking at, oh, I need a new email security solution because my customers just got hacked and they didn't want to buy it before, but guess what? Now they do, or I need to back up um, some servers. What have you got that's going to be best suitable for me? So those guys kind of work like that. And then we've got the brand new side of the team, which um, kind of actually came about through the Bamboom cloud acquisition. Yes. Yeah. So... And for those that don't know, they were kind of a Dynamics powerhouse themselves, an MSP, and Pax8 didn't have that much experience with Dynamics in-house. So actually what we did, instead of trying to build that out for the ground up, because it's such knowledge sources, we acquired them. Um, and then what we've been able to do is pinch a couple of their really good people um, into my team and bring all that wealth of knowledge and experience to our partners. Um, so part of that is we've got a couple of Dynamics consultants and they go from, you know, what on earth is Dynamics? How do I make money off it? Um, to actually helping partners look through their Microsoft data, identify current opportunities, target opportunities, even thinking about, oh, actually, you know, when you get a new customer, that's the time to start talking about maybe getting a new CRM. Let's do it via Dynamics. Let's make some money off of that. Um, opposed to just giving it to something else um, and really kind of taking that bamboo special juice that made them so successful to our partners. So we've got that side of it. We've got um, a modern workplace and productivity and operations specialist who can talk about how to get the most out Intune and Defender and hold that side of things. We've even got an infrastructure guy starting on Monday who'll be able to help partners with their infrastructure business. So yeah, so you can kind of tell we're doing quite a lot currently. Yeah. Hopefully bringing a lot of value to our partners by doing it, though. Yeah, and I think that for a lot of MSPs listening to this, and perhaps those are Pax8 partners already, and at the risk of coming off like a fanboy for Pax8, because we've <laughs> featured you and your colleagues so often on this podcast, but with good reason, because Pax8 really are sort of changing the industry and the way distribution and everything's done. Um, so how many partners do you speak to within the Pax8 community who are not aware that, that you've got these sort of uh, uh, offerings to them? Because you mentioned one earlier. There must be plenty of Pax8 partners who just don't know that they can be helped yeah. this way. Yeah, that's it. And I think, you know, obviously we're we're a growing team, but we're still a small team. So actually the amount of calls that we can do in a day is limited. Um, so we're it's something that we're going to be looking at how we can bring the message more to partners. And for example, if you take Elliot and Henrietta, the dynamics gurus on the team, they're two people serving the whole of a mayor, which is amazing. But actually, if we want to bring that to all partners, so we're going to start doing some kind of like webinars about demystification around dynamics um, and Azure as well. So kind of doing that. Um, helping to do that initial, okay, let's get that conversation rolling and then um, bring it in. But um, it's definitely something that we kind of want to introduce into a lot more of our partners. So, you know, whether they want to have that security and continuity stack review or talk about how to get the most out of the Microsoft environment. So I really encourage, um, if you are a Pax8 partner, to have that conversation with your account manager, especially in monthly syncs, it's the perfect time to bring it up and get that booked in because um, we've got kind of dedicated resources for you to use. Yeah, and for the benefit of listeners, we, we will be including uh, Daisy's contact details and everything we talk about in this episode in show notes. So if you're out walking the dog listening to this or in the car, don't worry about scribbling things down. We've got your back there. But uh, I, I want to come back to something. <laughs> I want to come back to something. Yeah. Like in episode... Oh, it was Tub Talk episode 126, in fact. I spoke with Andy uh, Reedman, um, one of your colleagues, about Pax8's 
professional services team. You mentioned them briefly earlier. I'm intrigued. Is there any crossover between the work you do with the solutions consultant team and what Andy's team does? Yeah, definitely. So again, kind of the two sides of the team. So the security continuity focus guys, they can really help build out that model. And then um, with the partner transformation program, can really supercharge it and give you that expert business consulting, which is the next level to really actually, okay, where are you going to get these customers? What your brand value is going to be <clears throat> and all that side of it. And then with our kind of more Microsoft focus, there really are the, the kind of gapping the bridge between the gaps between you know your account management and the professional services because you know you might kind of say oh I, this could be a good opportunity but actually I don't want it to be you know I don't want to go down the pro services route just yet because you're still kind of feeling what what is a good dynamics opportunity I don't know yet this is my first one this is my first five or um I just want a bit of a sense check around what the Azure cost calculator is saying like just want to check that I'm doing in the right quote so that I can bring that to my customer and then take that to the professional services team so my team kind of acts as a feeder into them as well as our Microsoft enablement programs so we've got some brilliant kind of ladder programs in development and in and in use currently scale up programs so you can really think of them um as the feeders into kind of sense checkers and the feeders into professional services and the enablement teams. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And a quick question, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this one, Daisy, but obviously we've got a global audience for this podcast. I'm speaking to you, you head up the EMEA team uh, for Europe, Middle East and Asia. Uh, is this, is your role sort of, uh, or your team replicated in uh, other parts of the world like North America and that? Yeah, so in the Americas, they've got, it's called the same solution consulting team, but our acronyms are different and they're different for little reasons. So <laughs> in EMEA, we're affectionately known as SOCOs. Um, I'm calling the infrastructure one ISOCOs, just so I can put a little I in front of things and pretend I work for Apple. Um, in America, they're the XSC model. Um, and that means they're a little bit more specialized. Yeah. So we purposely tried to keep it a bit more general so that we can, you know, if I'm talking to you, for example, Richard, about maybe Center One and Acronis, I can also talk to you about Roost, which is a brilliant automation piece of software, which is going to take absolute, I'll say hours, days off your um, time a month and give you that kind of efficiency that you could be after. Um, in, the, in the States, every partner has a dedicated XSC on the different areas, so security, operations, productivity, infrastructure, continuity, and really to kind of reduce the amount of, you know, we meet enough people in life, I think, um, to have to remember who you're kind of going to for each. That's why we've kept it like this, but they do still have um, the solution consulting function just slightly different. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for sharing that. So if you're listening to this, uh, you know, and you're not in Europe, don't worry, uh, Pax8, I've got you back in other parts of the world as well. There'll be uh, somebody similar to Daisy who can help you out. So just reach out, reach out to Pax8. So let's drill down a little bit more. I said at the, at the top of the conversation, we wanted to speak about continuity for MSPs. And, you know, I alluded to it earlier and, uh, you know, I was speaking to Paxet a while ago and we were talking about that I think that content, cybersecurity is protection, continuity is insurance, because, you know, you can't cover all bases, uh, really, but continuity for MSPs, why would you say it is so important? Uh, it's a very broad question, but I'll go for it. And I think the way you put it actually is brilliant. You know, security 
it's that first line of defense, whether it's your endpoint, your email, whatever it might be, hopefully all of them. Um, but that is your first line of defense. But we don't live in a perfect world, unfortunately. Stuff happens. Um, without using provals, you know, it could be something gets through defenses because nothing's 100%. Yeah. Or it could be kind of like a, you know, a disaster event. Hopefully not as dramatic as an earthquake, but something can happen, loss of data. You need to be able to have that a surety that all that data can be accessed. And I think kind of quite a great, great way to think about if you put everybody in a room, all the important people in a business, put everybody in a room and then take away all their laptops. How are they going to run the business? Yeah. Um, and, and then you kind of go, oh yeah, probably can't actually, if we can't get the data, then how are we going to sell up, serve our customers? How are we going to make money? How are we going to pay our bills? So it really is that kind of, that key kind of building block into obviously an MSP model, but actually also for the end customers to keep running. Yeah. I spoke to an MSP yesterday, a big MSP based in Ireland, and uh, one of their clients, a multinational engineering company, had been uh, breached uh, cybersecurity with a random uh, ransomware, ransomware, <laughs> I should say. Uh, and they were saying they actually got the client back up and running within two weeks, which is an awful long time for a multinational to be sort of uh, uh, cut back. But they were saying, actually, it could have been a lot, lot worse. I mean, we're talking mm. months and months and months if they didn't have the continuity solution in place to enable them to restore uh, bare metal restores and, and get the servers and the cloud services back up and running. So I was, and, and for anybody listening to this, they're thinking, yeah, continuity, well, we sell Microsoft services or we're a Google uh, workspace reseller or whoever it might be, the cloud providers, they've got our backs. We don't have to worry about continuity because it's all in the cloud. And I can see you grinning slightly here, Daisy, but what's your thought around, you know, cloud backups and things of that nature? Yeah. I was wondering if you've been talking to my brother there. He's uh, got a business in Bristol and he's like, I don't need backup. I don't need security. Gee, sweet, do it all for me. Yeah. No, they don't, it. Um, so <laughs> it is a very, very common theme. And, you know, we can you know, talk for days about how important we think any of these things are. And, you know, we are experts, you know, our partners are MSPs, um, people at Paxay and other vendors and DISTs, you know, we know it's important, but actually to educate our end customers or the end customers on that is the key part. Um, kind of within, within the backup realm, there's so many different places, kind of places you can focus in on from like archiving to legal, but or kind of server backups. And as soon as you start kind of unpicking it, and instead of just saying the word continuity or backup and actually saying what you're going to be doing for it, I think that's quite a key thing to educate. Right. Um, and actually saying, okay, yes, we're going to be backing up your OneDrive, your SharePoint, your Teams, because imagine, and actually this is a kind of an analogy that I use, use quite a lot of the time when I was talking to partners. I say, say to your customer, you know, you've got an iPhone, most people do, um, or Every, any other phone, are you backing up your photos to iCloud? Are you backing up your contacts, your messages? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. So you're doing that for your personal life, but not your business life, mm. which is going to be more detrimental to you if you don't have your entire work database, your emails, your client list, all that information, or some photos from your holiday, and just kind of bringing it and relating it back down to real life can actually often help kind of, oh, the cogs turn, 
Because again, continuity to the average person doesn't mean anything. Like that word doesn't mean anything. It's, oh yeah, I can I back up stuff to the cloud so I can access it because I know, me personally, I've lost my phone many times. I've dropped it in rivers in India. Like I know I need it. And so <laughs> you can start to reason why actually it is so important for a business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to delve a little bit deeper into this one. I was speaking to uh, uh, an MSP recently, a Pax8 MSP <laughs> indeed, um, Robert Gibbons, Cara Technologies. Rob's a great guy. People on the podcast might know him. Um, but we were talking about Microsoft's Clause 6B. <laughs> now, this is fascinating. For anybody not familiar with this clause, can you tell us more about why it is so important to MSPs, why they should be aware of it? Yeah, definitely. And it's actually such a powerful tool, but without quoting it verbatim, it essentially, this is Microsoft themselves stating in their clauses and T's and C's that, you know, in the event that something happens with Microsoft, there's an outage, um, disruption of service, you might, as a business, not be able to access your data. Um, and it even goes to the extent of saying and recommending that you regularly back up using a third-party provider. Mm. So that is Microsoft themselves stating it. And so... That very little powerful tool, number one, should kind of be hitting home why you should be doing it as a MSP if you're not kind of mandating it onto your customers, because kind of, I think we will know at the end of the day, you know, if somebody gets hacked or if something goes wrong, the first people they call up is an IT provider yeah. who's saying, yes, we told you about this last year, but you said no, because it's going to cost you an extra pound per user. And um, so it's actually kind of should be in the nice possible way, kind of a, a jolt to actually start mandating it, at least for new customers, because we also know it's going to be a more difficult conversation with your existing um, customer base. But then use it as a way to actually say to those existing customers, like, this isn't just me saying, this isn't just the people I've spoken to, this is Microsoft, one of the biggest, biggest businesses in the world, the one that you're relying on for your work every day, saying you need to back up. Um, and some of our partners have actually kind of turned it into a bit of a disclaimer and not in kind of a scare tactic way. It's more just to really ensure that, you know, something does happen. The partner is covered, but also just to ensure that the customer really does get that message. And I think um, we've even got a template for that if partners want to utilize that as an email to send out um, to their customer base. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And <clears throat> excuse me, we here at Teams Hub, we're a Google workspace. We've dropped the Google Kool-Aid. We've got all the Google apps here. Um, but we use a specific tool to back up, you know, all of our Google Cloud uh, uh, data, because I think for any MSP listening to this, now many won't have had to restore data from either Google or uh, Microsoft or any of the cloud providers. But if you do, Yes, you know, first of all, hopefully the data's there to be restored. But secondly, don't expect it anytime soon because, you know, these are massive businesses. You put a ticket in, they're not going to prioritize you that. And again, this is not scare tactics. This is the reality. So while your client is bashing your door down saying, we need a restore of that calendar or we need that email yesterday, Microsoft, Google, whoever are shrugging the shoulders and saying, yeah, it's a ticket in the system, we'll get around to it. And so I think, you know, from a practical point of view, that's another reason why MSPs should be looking at third party tools 
to backup cloud services to provide continuity because it's going to speed the whole process up and it's going to cut their cost of support. Now, Daisy, we use a Pax8 product ourselves. We use DropSuite oh, within nice. TeamTub for to backing up our Google uh, workspace. We love it because it's almost like within reason set and forget mm-hmm. and it's got granular recovery. So are you seeing a big uptake of tools like DropSuite and other cloud backups with Pax8 MSPs? Definitely. And to your point there on actually kind of easing the workload on the MSP help desk, like again, kind of when I'm talking to MSPs, what's one of the biggest issues they face is staffing, you know, actually finding competent techs to do to do everything. Well, if you can offload some of that to the end customer, the end user, for example, I know with DropSuite, um, you can actually give end users access to restore emails. That then cuts out all those tickets which are coming in going, oh, I accidentally deleted this. Please, can you find it? Or this person's left the business. Please, can you help me? Um, You're eliminating all that by actually a really, really simple thing. So as well as giving value to your customers in that assurity of data, business continuity, um, you're also kind of taking some of the workload off your team so they can be utilized doing much more kind of hate to say important things and the stuff that they want to be doing instead of finding some emails and doing support tickets to their Microsoft themselves. Um, But yeah, in general, definitely seeing a much greater update in kind of um, backup solutions. And I think it's, you know, literally almost every day we see a headline of something's been hacked, something's been deleted, somebody's got ransomware, you know, even the Met. And I know we only see the big headlines, but it's happening all the way down the business scale because actually <laughs> who's the most easiest people to target? People who haven't got all that in place. And they it's still a very, very important. So we'll find, you know, I often talk to partners and they've got instances of um customers literally being kind of it is blackmail, isn't it? Ransomware for yep. you know um business crippling this amount of money. And so actually if you can say, well. I don't need you to give me back my data because I've already got it. Thank you very much, sir. Um, you've then saved your business. And it's also the reputational side of it, I think, is a big part of it. Um, if it ever got out that you lost data, to your customer's data, or the customers lost their customer's data, again, you, you're much less likely to be able to get that repeat business and people will leave. So the ease that you get with the cloud solutions is kind of almost like, why wouldn't you? Because you've got so many kind of pain points and problems and then maximizing efficiencies and being seen as like a consultant that actually, as you're saying, it's almost kind of set and forget technology, which you now have access to really easily. Um, You know, if it's via Pax8, the platform makes it really easy to order it, but obviously there's many other places to get this kind of software. Um, I do just recommend it. And um, it's going to save you time and money and your customers. And actually, at the end of the day, they're two of the most precious things in life. Agreed. friends. All the rest <laughs> well, let's, let's dig down on that, because I absolutely agree with what you've said. And, and you've also alluded to the fact, you know, we're talking about the Pax8 marketplace here. Uh, obviously, Daisy, you and the Pax8 team will want people to go to the Pax8 marketplace to look at the wide variety of solutions. But there are loads on the market. There's some really powerful ones. So if you're listening to this, if you're a Pax8 client, if you're not a Pax8 client, I think the bottom line is don't rely on the continuity options, If in, and I'm saying that with air quotes, from Microsoft, Google, or, or others, that it's really not a good tactic for any progressive modern MSP to do. However, 
And let's dig a little bit deeper there. So with so many different options on the market for continuity, can you give our listeners some ideas of what MSPs should be looking for within a continuity platform? Yeah, I think definitely for MSPs, a huge part of it is really is that ease of use and the multi-tenancy um, and the assurability that it's actually going to work. Because if you're using site day in and day out, you want to minimize the amount of time you're actually spending managing it and looking after it. Um, and you want to be able to just do it all in one place, that having to log into all the different portals, we do that enough with Microsoft as it is, you don't need another place to be doing it. Um, on the Pax8 side of it, that's one of the good things with Pax8 is that's kind of a condition of actually being a vendor with us is that multi-tenancy side of things. Um, but then there's also like functionality that you can be looking for to help life like auto-scaling when you're adding users into um, M365, it'll automatically um, start backing them up and things like that. So there's a lot of really nice ones. I know, for example, Drop Suite even have functionality where you can do kind of mailbox to mailbox restore or SharePoint to SharePoint so you can restore somebody else's mailbox to somebody else's. So there's a lot of really great functionality out there. But as you say, there's a lot of vendors. There's a lot of different case um, scenarios. So this is kind of where I'd encourage you to reach out to somebody in my team um, and book in that call to actually see what is going to be the most appropriate solution because and as I alluded to earlier, what's going to be the best solution for one partner or one customer isn't going to be the best for another. And we do have some partners who've got a couple of continuity solutions, um, one maybe for server backup and then another one and for other things. I know, for example, we've got Redstore, which is actually one of our new vendors, and they back up Azure environment. So there's mm-hmm. loads of different nuances. But, you know, it's the same as if you're looking, you know, on Amazon for something, if you type up you know, oh, I want a new, or even if you say, oh, I want a new car, there's so many different options. How how on earth do you start to filter through it? And that's really what my team's there for, um, is to help you kind of get to the root of what you really need and actually look at how we can fulfill those requirements and needs. Yeah, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a moment here, Daisy, and tell, you know, listeners, I'm speaking directly to you, Mr. and Mrs. Listener here. I'm from a background where I did most of the research. I'm tempted to do most of the research myself. I go on Google or something like that back in the day, trying to find my way through. That's time consuming. I understand why we do it. So this is a shout out to everybody. Look, if you've got somebody like Daisy and her team in your life, it's almost like a concierge service. Please reach out to them. Let them do the legwork and come back to you because they're the experts. So that's a message for all of our MSPs are listening. <laughs> Please utilize these resources. It's going to save you a lot of time. And that's such a precious commodity. Now, I know that, Daisy, that Pax8 have bundled together some of the continuity solutions you've got to make life easier uh, for MSPs. Tell us a little bit more about some of those bundles and the specific tools you you put within them. Yeah, definitely. And again, this is kind of thinking back to, um, you know, if you go back to kind of what I was saying at the beginning of our chat about, you know, actually when you're getting a new customer, having a really set um, kind of offering of solutions can be really, really important not only from actually setting them up for success but then also for consistency with the business and the same is true as it would be for email security as it is for backup and continuity so um kind of what we've done is very loosely put together you know microsoft with okay i need to um back up on-prem servers i need to back up m365 as well i want it all in one solution so it's going to make it really really easy for me i might want to be able to do some disaster recovery and things like that acronis is going to be the best option so we're kind of doing a little bit of that discovery work and making it a lot kind of um, smoother 
for you and also repeatable. And I kind of always advise partners when you're selling to your end customers, don't mention the vendor because, you know, you may need to change down the line. You know, we never know what's going to happen. There's a lot of buying and takeouts happening in the IT industry, which sometimes is great. Sometimes actually we'd rather, if that didn't happen, we'd rather move um, vendors. So if you don't specify what it is to your end customers, but specify that functionality that they're going to be getting. And once again, kind of as I was talking about earlier, there's so many you know, different areas of continuity. Once you break it down and actually list out the functionality that they're going to be getting that they need and is appropriate for their business, again, you're like, oh, actually, this makes a lot of sense of why I need to be having that. Um, so the kind of bundles, we've just partnered Microsoft with the different vendors, which are kind of and listing out where they kind of differentiate from each other. But kind of, I suppose, pairing with that, um, my team are offering a new service, which is quite exciting, with a very specific continuity consult call. So this is essentially a way where you can either do it of one of your customers or of your, your kind of overall off offering um, and have a kind of call with one of our specialists to go through what, what you're backing up, how you're doing it, different areas of it, and then giving you a really nice report off the back of it. Mm. Um, which you can then use kind of either internally and, you know, just, you know, I'm, I'm fully aware of MSPs, there's a lot of priorities going on a lot of the time, there's fires to put out. So even if it's just have a, as a reminder or actually just share with your customers, if you're doing it on a specific customer, you can then take that to them and say, this is kind of where you're at, you know, then refer back to maybe that kind of disclaimer thing of this is what we're really recommending. Let's work together to get you up to this point where you may be four out of five across the board, opposed to a one and a two. Yeah, that makes sense. And that I love that scorecard approach as well. Makes a big difference for, for end users to actually understand what's going on. Yeah. I want to pick up on something you said there just to emphasize it. And that is the idea of uh, with these bundles or with the products that you share with uh, clients and the solutions, Clients couldn't care less really about who who's behind it. Mm. They just want to know that the buck stops with you, that you're going to deal with it. So again, for MSP, when I was an MSP owner, uh, we bundled up solutions and we branded it as our own name. So for instance, my MSP, we had Netlink Defender, and that would have been the continuity solution and things of that nature. Um, so I think it's a really powerful statement that you just made there that, you know, uh, uh, white label it effectively for the end user because then if you change product in the back end it's not about the product it's about the solution the 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 features that you deliver to the end user that's so important so thank you for sharing that uh daisy um something that come to mind while you were speaking and i think every msp is going to have come across this is one of the challenges that MSP owners and salespeople face is when it comes to selling continuity solutions to their clients the client's reluctant to spend more, or perhaps the client says, "Well, you you already cover that, don't you? Why do we? Why should we spend more with you for these type of solutions?" What advice would you give to MSPs who are finding continuity a difficult a difficult upserve for existing clients? Yeah, um, I'd say kind of as we spoke about already is utilize what you've got to your hands already. So if you can pick out some real world examples, even like anonymized ones that you've had from your own customer base. Um, you know, definitely when I was doing active solution consulting, every partner I speak to has got, everyone's got a story about data loss or ransomware, you know, anonymize it and then utilize it and kind of really bring um, that emotion to it and actually say, and the results and, you know, I know we talk about continuity now, but I had a, I was talking to a partner at email security and they had one um, customer who 
got, I think, God, how much was it now? Three times, like tens of thousands of pounds, somebody in the business sent out every time. And they weren't a big business at all. So each time it's a crippling amount. Um, so um, sometimes you, you do have to draw on real world examples from your own experience. And again, you know, they're your customer base. So actually probably what's happened to one customer is very kind of on the cards. It could happen to another one, you know. Yes, we've got all these big headlines of the Royal Mail being hacked and whatever. That's brilliant, but actually be able to bring that back down to your specific customer base. You know, education systems, another one, a huge, you've got, you know, really drawn what you know. Um, and then also, like, we do have resources in Facts to Help. So um, we have got, like, a whole guide on how to sell continuity to your end customers. Um, and I'm not sure if Andy spoke about it when he was on, but we're building out where we've already got, but we're developing even more, like, Pax 8 Academy. Yes. There's lots of great resources and um, videos and content to help you grow your business. Again, it's one of the things that we're giving you because that's what we're here for is to help you grow, whether it's the consultancy teams, you know, your account managers or the solution engineers demoing things. Like we, we're doing it to help your end customers as well. And that's the key thing really. Um, just bring it back down to reality using the things at your hands, like the selling guides, um, clause 6B, all those things can kind of help to grow the picture. And also I think, as I said earlier, just breaking it down, you know, don't just say backup. Yeah. That doesn't mean much to much, you know, really break down what you're getting, you know, disaster recovery. What does that mean? You know, a lot of the phrases that we take for granted, a lot of end customers don't understand. And you, you know, if you start positioning kind of, as you were saying earlier, Richard, of continuity being like security, which it really is. Again, that then, flips the switch in the head. Oh, cybersecurity. I know I, I should be you know, thinking about cybersecurity for a business. Well, continuity is a side of cybersecurity. Yeah. And again, it's those kind of little things that you can do to make it more relatable for end customers. Yeah, and I know our, our friends at Acronis actually mm. coined this term of cyber protection because yeah. they said cybersecurity on its own is not enough. You've got to have the continuity piece with it mm. to give a level of protection. So, um, yeah, really powerful. I love the tip there. I'm just going to reiterate it for for the mm -hmm. listeners' benefit that you shared, Daisy. Real wise advice that. If you're sharing news stories with your clients, you've got to make it relatable to them, haven't you? So, you know, if you said to your clients, oh, we've just seen, you know, uh, Royal Mail have just been hacked and they're going to go, yeah, so what? We're like a small shop compared to Royal Mail. It will never happen to us. But if you can find those stories, you know, with your existing clients or uh, anonymized stories uh, where you say, look, this is a business just like you. This is what happened to them. This is the repercussions it happens out there. And I think that's a really uh, powerful piece of advice that you've given us uh, there, Daisy, to go to clients, try to educate them that this is happening in the real world. It's not hypothetical. And it's probably a case of when, not if as well, which is the yeah, other scary thing. That's the scary part, exactly. It's yeah. kind of everybody's a target now, really. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about continuity. Thank you for sharing so much value there. And I think, again, for the benefit of listeners, we've talked about a lot of solutions. We've talked about a lot of resources. We'll include them all within the show notes here. So, you know, uh, Daisy and I are getting very excited talking about these things. So please don't try to, to keep up now. You can go and get those show notes. Uh, Daisy, I want to dig a little bit deeper into who Daisy Pike is. Uh, I Right at the top of the, uh, the conversation, you mentioned that you've got a background in energy in the nuclear power industry. Yeah. That must have been a really interesting field to work in. 
Yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, awful one to be fair. Um, so as mentioned, I did electrical and electronic engineering at uni, specialising in power systems. Um, so I was always interested in that kind of like power generation. That, you know, I did STEM at school, like physics I loved um, a lot. So kind of actually, how do you get energy from essentially nothing? And I found really interesting. And just ended up um, working for quite a, well, a very large consultancy um, in the UK engineering consultancy. And working in nuclear, I kind of did um, existing power stations. So seconded in, I don't know if you know much about nuclear, but they are literally in the middle of nowhere on very, very bleak. <laughs> my background, uh, forgive me for interrupting, Daisy, when right at the start of my IT career, I worked for a big outsourcing company mm-hmm. and we looked after uh, Magnox and some of yeah. the other uh, big power. So I've actually, I've got a little bit of knowledge of being there, there, but not as much as you. So that's why I'm so fascinated. Yeah, so kind of one of the first comments I did was six months in Dungeness, which at the time I was living in Taunton. So it was from very far west to very far east. Um, but um, working there to actually how we can keep some of the nuclear um, facilities going for longer, which is a really interesting part of it, extending the life. Um, to imagine a lot of these places were built quite a few years ago. So some of the equipment, it's actually end of life, which working in IT, you know how difficult that is if actually the producer says they're no longer going to support it. So it's okay, how do we um, actually make the most? of what we've got, whether it's actually getting manufacturers to build the old components for us, because to get new ones qualified is very difficult, um, or inventing new systems to actually make them more, you know, the reactors more efficient. Um, so kind of the last project I was doing was really, really interesting in Hinkley Point C, which is the new um, power station being built, first one for a generation really in the UK. Um, and that was kind of us in charge of their emergency diesel generators. So the generators that kick in, if anything were to happen with the um, reactor. So kind of looking at the electrical designs and the control system designs for them and the backups to them as well. So um, it was very, very interesting. But the reason why I decided to have that shift, I suppose, in um, kind of career direction instead of going down the engineering route in nuclear was however nice it is, it's actually quite difficult to get new technologies as you can imagine and you would hope that to get a new piece of technology um authorized to go into a nuclear power plant is a very 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 long process because you have to be a hundred percent not you know a thousand percent sure that it's unhackable which is obviously a huge one nowadays um it's gonna not gonna fail it's gonna be able to survive a plane crashing into it it's gonna be able to survive a flood like all these things so actually you're using a lot of tried and tested tech but then there's this whole other world out there of cloud, which is cutting edge and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I actually quite want to be a little bit more of the cutting edge of technology. Um, so that's why I made the move, really. Um, I haven't looked back since, apart from when I drive back to my parents in Somerset and see the new uh, power distributors. I get very nerdy. My boyfriend's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Who am I with here? I'm like, the new pylons, they're beautiful. Um, but yeah, it, it's exciting. I keep track on it. And you can see the big crane from my parents' house. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Oh, wow. That's marvellous. That is. Thank you for sharing with us as well. And I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll speak for everyone. The nuclear power industry's lost, Daisy, is the managed service providers game when you moved across. <laughs> so we're very grateful you did. Um, now, back in episode, it was Top Top, episode 109. Wow. I spoke with your colleague, Chloe Cameron, about breaking down 
barriers so women in IT can succeed. I'm really intrigued. You know, we just talked about you making the move from the energy sector across to managed services. As an obviously really smart woman in the IT industry, what has your experience of being a woman in IT been like? Yeah, it's interesting because I suppose it's a bit of background. I'm one of four children, three older brothers, and I've actually got an older half brother. Kind of did a lot of STEM at school and then did electrical engineering, which is probably the second most male heavy course, apart from um, comp ski itself, computer science. So always kind of essentially been within my career at nuclear and here um, surrounded by men, really, um, which I don't mind at all. Um, but it obviously does come with challenges particularly, um, hopefully it's still quite fresh faced and the wrinkles haven't quite set in yet. And so that, that in itself is a challenge. Um, a lot of people are kind of less, um, I suppose, willing to concede that a younger woman might have a bit of experience and a bit of knowledge and that they may not have. I think in general, actually, I found the MSP industry to be really, really welcoming. Um, probably the most unwelcoming event I've been at was one which was actually kind of a historic networking event. And it was a lot more of um, men, the men will only handshake with the men there um, and look at one of my colleagues instead of talking to me when I'm answering them. Wow. Um, whereas the MSPs and some of our Pax8 partners who attended that event, you know, they come over, give me a hug, you know, we chat. So I've actually found um, the partners that we're working with have been super, super welcoming. It's actually the more historic parts of the IT industry, which have been less so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like the legacy, legacy uh, IT uh, sector, uh, perhaps perhaps needs to hear this advice a little bit more yeah. than the managed service providers. But as always, unfortunately, you know the ones who need to hear it the most are the ones least likely to listen to it. But yeah. uh, you, you mentioned STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, mm. manufacturing. I've got that acronym right there. I think haven't I? Oh, that's a good <laughs> we, we mentioned STEM so much, but basically, yeah. you know, looking back at the school system, encouraging girls uh, into uh, information technology, which is a term that I think needs to actually change, you know, to, to make things more appealing for, for young people uh, across the board uh, to be more interested in coming into our industry. What advice, Daisy, you know, having a background in STEM, having worked in uh, so many different areas of IT already, what advice would you give to any girls or young women looking to follow your path into a career within technology? Yeah, my kind of biggest thing is just believe that you can do it. A lot of it is self-belief and I think definitely when, at, when you're a young person at school, you know, for example, say if at primary school and you ask them what do people's parents do? Oh, my dad's an engineer. My dad does this. Mm. Um, you know, things like that. So even from that very young age, it's kind of ingrained into people like that's a job for men opposed to job for women. Um, but what I quite like to say is if you actually take it back, um, you know, to the start of the century, 1900s, you know, looking into the wartime, women were a key part of the code breakers. And actually what our brains, in the nicest possible way to the dear men colleagues, is actually our brains are brilliant at logically breaking down things and solving problems. Like we are brilliant. Like Einstein, some of his maths was done by his wife, a lot of his maths, because he didn't, he could do the concepts, but can actually do the maths behind it a lot of the time. And so if you start kind of scratching the surface, there are all these brilliant, brilliant women who actually have been doing it for a long time, but they're just not taught about it. So kind of girls at school don't actually see that side. Um I'd say like what makes you know gender so different and all the rest of it, but so similar is 
everybody's got different strengths and weaknesses and it's learning how to use those. And I would say women have got brilliant brains, like we are code breakers. So actually women make brilliant coders and <laughs> programming. I did electrical engineering. I didn't actually realize programming was in my degree until I rocked up to the IT lab. Um, and so I was doing that, I can now code. Um, but because the logical um, processes in your brain, it actually makes us really good at that. But again, the typical um, image, if you were to Google it, probably be like a bloke in a hoodie doing something and that they shouldn't be doing. So I think it's just believing that you can do it. You know, I had a big career shift when I came from nuclear to um, tech, I suppose, into the channel. And that, in nuclear, I found like my career was very stifled. I had a brilliant female manager, actually, um, and she'd risen really high in the, kind of quickly in the business. But I just found I didn't have the confidence within nuclear to voice my concerns. And then when I came to Pax8, I had some male managers and they were brilliant, brilliant at supporting me. And I was just like, I've made the jump to a new career. Why the hell am I not going to go after what I actually want? You know, you commented earlier on my quick career progression at Pax8. And that's I've been really, really vocal about where I want to get to. And like, you know, I'm not kind of one for complacency myself. It's one of my characteristics. I get very bored easily. So I want that new challenge. It's something that I love and thrive off. Um, and I think just having the confidence to say that to your teachers or to your managers at work and just vocalizing it. Because as soon as you do, as soon as I did, my career trajectory changed. Yeah, well, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. We did an entire season of Tub Talk where we spoke to amazing women in IT because we wanted to shine a light on this. I'm so grateful that you've come on the podcast, the latest amazing woman in IT <laughs> uh, to speak to us. And thank you for, for sharing uh, that as well. Really appreciate it. Who does Daisy Pike consider a mentor or an influence on her career? Oh, that, that's, that's a really uh, interesting question, quite a broad one, I think, because it can go from various different different things and kind of as I alluded to earlier I don't like to be complacent I'm quite an aspirational person and so you know my father from a young age has always had like different businesses he retired early and then decided just to do a brewery for the sake of it wow. so his you know literally you know those for dummies books got brewing for dummies taught himself how to brew and then started a microbrewery <laughs> um <laughs> one of my brother's um started a business at the start of COVID and it's kind of gone um, huge trajectory. So really, I think what I've kind of had in self-reflection is I what I admire in people and take as an influence and in people is that people who aren't scared to fail and scared to do something different. Um, like from if it's people I admire in kind of business at kind of a more global level, it's all people who have just been like, do you know what? screw it, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. I might not be, fail at it a couple of times, but I'm really going to strive to do it. So I think it's more that general concept. I'm very close to my family, so I take a lot of from them. Um, and then, you know, we've got some brilliant, brilliant leaders within Pax-A as well. Um, so it's brilliant to be able to draw on the wealth of them, you know, Aaron Watts, Philip Morgan, and actually learn from their experience in this industry and what's been so successful. Yeah, I was on the phone with Philip. I'm, I'm close friends with Phil, and I was on the phone with him a couple of days ago, and uh, we were talking about just how blessed we are in the managed service industry to have so many sort of inspirational uh, characters who give freely of their time and experience. And Phil is one of them as well. So I'm really glad you uh, you gave him a <laughs> shout out there. Um, are you much of a book reader? Do you do you read a lot? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I suspected you might be. Yeah. <laughs> are there any are there any books you find yourself recommending to people again and again? Quite a few. There's a, there's actually a particular cookbook which I can't sort of bang you on about all my brother's <laughs> procedures presents, but we won't go down there. It is it's called Mezpa. If anyone's interested in likes cooking Easter, Belfridge, it's brilliant. Um, but more on the book side of things, gosh, there's a couple I've read recently which have been really good. Um, but there's one which actually I've just come back from holiday in France and I reread it there, um, Girl, Woman, Other. So it's a brilliant, brilliant book. And if I should made my boyfriend read it, I think it should be part of the school curriculum um, because it basically shines a light on not only kind of um, women and what we kind of go through, but also people kind of non-binary, people of different sexual orientations, but then also people from who've come to England through various different ways and kind of um, the experience of immigrants, first generation and second generation immigrants. And it's really paints some beautiful, beautiful pictures, but also kind of makes you think about actually, you know, where people are coming from and the experiences that they've gone to come here or to get to a certain position, whether it's a hotshot lawyer in London or, you know, a farm worker. Um, It's really, really great book to put everything into perspective in terms of um, the society that we're living in in Britain today. Marvellous. And you said about the cookbook as well uh, before there. Yeah. And Gudrun, uh, the lady on our team who does the uh, the podcast transcriptions and the show notes for all these episodes and does an incredible job. Mm-hmm. She'll be listening to this and her ears will have perked up when you talked about a cookbook again. What was the name of that cookbook you mentioned? So it's called Mezpla by Ixter Belfridge. It's, or I think she pronounced the name Easter, but it's brilliant, like fusion cooking of Mexican, Brazilian, um, Spanish. It's very, very good. Wow. Well, we'll include both of those books that you mentioned and everything else in the show notes as produced by Gudrun, uh, for a fantastic <laughs> show note creator here. So um, this has been such a wonderful conversation, Daisy. I'm so grateful for you coming on. You are an incredibly inspiring young woman. I can understand why so many people within the industry mm-hmm. and your colleagues at Pax8 speak so highly of you. Thank you for your time today. We, we were on the, we've covered such a lot of ground, but we started off talking about continuity. If you had one thing about continuity that you'd like any MSPs listening to take away from our conversation, what would it be? Um, I think it's really how important it is for any business, big or small. So whether it's for you or your end customers, any size, it is the key cornerstone to keeping businesses up and running and minimizing disruption to their workforce, to cash flow, to their reputation across the board. So it really is as you kind of pick when I say the insurance that's required for any business. Yeah. Well, Daisy, if anybody wants to, anybody listening to this wants to continue the conversation with you, or indeed if they want to find out more about Pax8 Continuity Solutions or the solutions team, the consultancy team that you head up there, how can they contact you? Yeah, um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on there, so very accessible. Um, but if you really want to chat to somebody in my team, I'd recommend contacting your Pax8 account manager if you're a Pax8 partner. And they can book in a call um, with somebody in my team. And if you're not, then please do reach out um, to Pax8. And, you know, you can still have a call with somebody in my team. And just to hear a little bit more about what we can offer, hopefully this has been a little bit of an insight into what the team does. Um, but really how we're there just to support you guys, um, really. 
Yeah, and for the benefit of listeners, again, we've we've we talked about how much information that we share about the great work that Pax8 are doing. We've spoken to uh, lots of your colleagues, Daisy. So we put together a page, tub t u b dot co forward slash Pax8, the number eight, uh, all in lowercase there, and uh, and your interview will go up on there as well as everybody else's. <laughs> Daisy, this has been fantastic. How have you found your first podcast interview? Oh, it's been really good. Thank you for making things like I'm for. It's been lovely. I really enjoyed it. So thank you very much. Well, I hope it's not the last time we get to to speak to you. And I hope I get a chance to meet you in person at at an event or something upcoming. But Daisy, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Brilliant. Thank you. Bye. Hey, folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.